0: Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our
1: deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association
0: and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. It is so great to have you here today. And on today's episode, we have Kylie. Kylie's preparation for birth started long before she became pregnant with her first and only daughter. Through years of rock bottoms and spiritual awakenings, Kylie approached her birth ready to completely surrender to the process and surrender she did. She had a nine-hour home birth with full autonomy, zero fear, and without ever reaching her breaking point. And if you want to um, check out Kylie's podcast, her podcast is called "Our Birth Wisdom," and you can find that on the Apple i on the um, Apple Podcast app. Excuse me. And if you want to follow her on Instagram, her Instagram handle is at the Autonomy Mommy. And I hope you all enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, Kylie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Me too. I am so looking forward to this. Um, so yeah, wherever you would like to begin your story, please share. Awesome.
1: Well, you know what's actually interesting is that like, my birth story, the actual birth, is so uneventful, which is so cool. Like, I honestly, I wish that for everybody. I wish everybody had a birth that was like, you know, nothing big came up. There was, you know, it was just another day. But I also know that it, it takes a lot of work to get there. And so my story is gonna be like a, a life story, like working up to my birth and like the work that I did leading up to my birth to make it be so my birth was really just no big deal um yeah so growing up you know I wanted kids but everything that I saw about birth was the movies right so just like this excruciating painful event like way over the top and I was just like nope like not gonna do that that is not for me and you know mostly I was scared of the pain, I was scared of the pain of birth, which is so funny, because through this journey, you'll see like, by the time I got to my birth, like, I wasn't scared of pain by that point. It was almost like, you know, bring it on. Like, I'm so excited to see what I'm Mm -hmm. made of. So just the transformation there, that mental transformation over those couple decades was really, really cool. But yeah, like growing up, I was, I was scared of birth because I was scared of the pain and, you know, I never really even thought of birth. Like I never thought of myself giving birth until I actually met my partner who I now have a child with. So I met my partner when I was maybe like 25 or something like that. And, you know, as soon as I met him, like I knew he would be the one, the the father to my children. So as soon as I met him, mm. I started thinking about birth, and what that meant was um, really just considering like what the options were, and listening to podcasts. And I absolutely love Maren's podcast. I probably listened to every single episode of Taking Back Birth, um, <laughs> but I also listened to other birth podcasts. So, a lot of the more mainstream birth podcasts, you know, women tell their stories. And there's lots of parts of those stories that just make my skin crawl. And the women tell their Mm. stories, right? And sometimes they say things like, yeah, and then I was told to do this. And then my doctor cut an episiotomy. And then they handed me my baby and no big deal. My baby was here. And I just remember listening to those stories thinking, you know, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I don't want anyone touching my body. I don't want anyone cutting me. Like, that's just not that's not what I want. And I especially don't want that to happen and then think it's all okay. You know, I, I don't want mm-hmm. to tell my birth story where I was almost a victim and like, that's f- fine and dandy because we're healthy. That was not going to be my story. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, at that point, you know, I really didn't have many fears at this point in my life. I had gotten to a place where I just kind of embodied trust and left fear behind. But I would say instead of fearing pain at that point, it was more so fearing um, losing control at the hands of somebody else or having a bad outcome at the hands of somebody else and, and losing control mostly. So that was kind of my birth prep from there on out was basically, how do I keep my autonomy <laughs> and how do I build my autonomy so I feel comfortable standing up for myself? And how do I set myself up for the birth that I want, basically, which is one where I'm in charge. Um, So I stopped listening to those other more mainstream birth podcasts, and I basically just listened to Taking Back Birth, honestly, and everything that Marin said because I just resonate so so deeply with basically what every every word she says um so from the very beginning I even before I got pregnant I knew I wanted a home birth and that's just really my personality I I really don't go to the doctor unless it's like an urgent care kind of trip um I've never really had an OB I've never had a doctor for myself um and so we started trying to get pregnant and you know you try to avoid pregnancy your whole life that when you decide to actually try for a child you expect it to just happen right away because Mm -hmm. society makes you Mm -hmm. think that like you know you're just going to have sex and get pregnant that's what happens so Mm -hmm. it took six cycles to get pregnant which is now I know which is like actually the average number six six months but it's actually really funny because people would ask me, I only knew my partner um, for like nine months when we actually got pregnant and we were trying for six months. So it was a very fast, exciting time in my life. But I remember people asking me, like, was your pregnancy a surprise? And it's such a funny question because no, like we were trying, but we were trying for six months. So by the time I did get that like positive pregnancy test, like I was surprised. Um, so yes, I was surprised, but yes, I was also trying, trying to get pregnant Uh, at the time while I was trying to get pregnant. I had actually recently gone through a divorce, maybe six months before, and I was actually working as a hairstylist at that point. So my clients knew everything about my life, which was a very funny place to be because, it, I was a hairstylist in a very like mainstream environment. So most of my clients were 60 years old, older than 60 years old and uh, very proper, very uh, just judging, you know? And a lot of that's probably me projecting onto them, <laughs> like feeling their judgments when there aren't any judgments. But um, it was interesting. It was an interesting time, especially Choosing to have a baby so soon after a divorce, choosing to have a baby with someone that I only knew for a few months, and then also choosing the home birth route. So choosing to not know the gender, to not have the ultrasounds, Um, and so it's really an interesting thing answering everyone's questions. You know, I've I've always been open. I've decided very consciously that I'm okay with being open. I'm okay with those the, my those clients that I had like touching my belly and things like that. I, I didn't want to like create hard boundaries. I, I, I wanted to remain fluid and, and, and open. So it was really interesting because there was also a part of me that didn't want any judgment and didn't want any negative energy from them. So I do remember myself, uh, you know, clients would ask me, where are you giving birth? Or uh, what hospital are you giving birth at? And I would just say, oh, like the closest hospital is XYZ hospital. And I wouldn't say I'm giving birth Mm -hmm. there, but that was my way to say, yeah, that's the closest hospital without me having Mm -hmm. to say like, you know, I'm I'm giving birth at home, Um, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because I actually, I'm a birth educator now and I am an autonomous birth educator. So I help women have a birth without coercion. And Part of my teaching is teaching my my students and my clients, like, just be honest, you, you know. You don't need to lie to anybody. You don't need to hide your choices. You can live with authenticity and, like, free from judgment. And that's if you're scared to tell your truth, like, that's an internal battle. And ask yourself why you're scared to tell your truth. So it's actually really funny because, you know, I would, I needed someone to tell me that in that moment. <laughs> Um, so I became pregnant. Um, and that actually the day I found out I was pregnant really set the stage for my entire motherhood journey. So, uh, I found out I was pregnant. It was 10 days before my missed period. Uh, I was taking tests all the time because we were trying, right. And mm-hmm. we were trying for six months. I got that positive test and, and it was okay. Like, It wasn't exciting. It wasn't anything. It was just like, okay, we're pregnant. Like there's a there's a baby inside Mm -hmm. of me. And you know, I think a lot of people that would scare them that they didn't have that excitement. But for me, it was very, it was very cool because that set the stage for like how chill and how in the present moment and mindful and not projecting into the future my entire process would be. So, yeah, we found out we were pregnant. Um, I told everybody right away. I think I started telling my family that same day, which is really fun for me. I know there's a lot of stigma around telling people you're pregnant before, I don't even know, 12 weeks maybe there's a stigma. But I decided very consciously that if I was to have a pregnancy loss, like I didn't want to do it alone and I wanted my my community to be there with me. And so that included, you know, telling my my community, my family uh, that very same day. So that was pretty exciting. And you know, from then on out, I, so I knew I was gonna have a home birth, right? I ended up calling um, one home, there's only, there's there's a couple options in this town I'm in. And there's really two, two good options for me uh, to hire a home birth midwife. And I called the first and, you know, I just didn't get a good vibe with their receptionist. So I didn't even talk to the midwife. I didn't get a good vibe mm-hmm. with the receptionist. And I actually ended up hanging up in the middle of a phone conversation. Um, Cause I just knew, I knew like, this isn't going anywhere. This is like a little bit of a battle and that's not what I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. I called the other home birth midwife and basically knew on the spot just from her voice and her energy that like, you're the one I'm going to hire. Like you're the one that's going to be here. So that was awesome. And you know, it was a blessing, right? It was a blessing. She is Mm -hmm. a very hands-off midwife. Um, she is very much so like, uh, she doesn't even have connections with an OB's office, which did create a couple hurdles in my story. But uh, very hands-off, didn't even like want to touch me too much during my pregnancy or during my birth. So everything that I could have wanted, even though I wasn't really sure what I really wanted, this is my first time going through the process. Um, but yeah, she ended up being just absolutely perfect. And now it's interesting because now I support ber- home births um, in person. I support home births where I'm at and I've got to experience I've got to support births with the other midwives present and just watching those other midwives, uh, you know, take, take the mom's blood pressure every 30 minutes for 12 hours or do cervical checks all the time. And, or, you know, all these things that I'm like, wow, like I am lucky that I didn't have to put up a fight against any of that because my midwife just, yeah, so completely mother led everything that I wish every woman could have in her pregnancy um my my pregnancy was easy my pregnancy was easy I had done the mental work and what I mean by that is that I had really prepared for birth in the best way possible before I was even pregnant and what that means is that I I really cultivated that that presence that that mindful presence and a lot of people call it like the watcher So I cultivated that relationship with the watcher. I was able to watch my life happen without reacting emotionally. And so honestly, for me, like the best preparation for my birth um, was things like uh, a bad breakup, right? Heartbreak and having to sit there present with yourself, watching it unfold while like remaining cool behind the scenes and like watching yourself, you know, freak out, but like staying centered behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Right? And other, yeah. things like, other things like being extremely hungover, right? And and knowing that I'm mm-hmm. so, so, so sick and like the vomiting is gonna come in spirals, but I just need to be mm-hmm. present and and I'm gonna get through it and it's gonna be over eventually being able to find that part of myself. Um, And so, you know, uh, pregnancy was pretty easy. Anytime I had you know, pains or something like that, I would just go to that mindful place and get through it. Um, There was no angst. There was no nervous anticipation. I went to 41 weeks and two days. There was no... Nervousness. There was no fear. There was no hurry up and get this baby out of me. It was just I was so high going into my birth <laughs> that I was just so high and and that's emotions, but that's also like that mindset I cultivated, right?
0: Mm. That I was just
1: yes, totally. I was just ready. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that's not to say that um, there's not things in my life that you know bring me out of that calm place. And there definitely are. I mean, there was a day when I was maybe 41 weeks pregnant. Now I know this is like so normal and, and part of that getting ready for birth, but I had like a total emotional breakdown where I ran the bath because I wanted to take a bath and, someone was at my house and distracted me with a conversation. And I forgot about the bath and the water went cold and I, the cold water led to like an emotional breakdown. But now I know that that's totally that, that energy clearing and making way for what's about to come. Right. Right. So in my pregnancy, super easy, you know, one thing that was a little bit interesting that I like to talk about is I had a a UTI uh, maybe when I was about like 16 weeks pregnant or something like that and I had a history with UTIs and I really never understood how to take care of them holistically. Um, I'm really a just ignore everything and it's going to get better type of person (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which serves me in a lot of ways but in some ways like in the case of like true infection you know just ignoring is probably not the best way to handle those um so my midwife didn't have a, didn't have a relationship with an ob's office and and i wanted to get in to be seen somewhere um due to this you know infection and uh, i called i didn't have insurance i don't have insurance i don't i don't play the insurance game i don't want to <laughs> i just don't even want to be involved in in that game so i called a couple like planned parenthoods and i was like they're supposed to like offer care to like women with no insurance or with no money right like that's the whole thing Mm -hmm. and and none of them (laughs) would see me none of them would see me
0: wow
1: Um, yeah they wouldn't even make an appointment for me isn't that interesting that's super Um, wild So I told them I'm 16 weeks pregnant. I have a UTI. I just like to get seen and maybe get, you know, seen and maybe get some, a prescription or something. And they just said, well, you know, you have to see your, your OB. And I remember saying like, I don't have an OB. I have a midwife. Well, like, we can't do anything for you. You need to go through your provider. And so I called a couple of different ones with. I called um, a couple different ones, giving them different information to see like what information I could give to get in. I called a couple mm-hmm. different urgent cares, same thing. And eventually, I'm like, "All right, like let's make up a lie so I can get seen by a healthcare provider." If that doesn't tell you what healthcare yeah. is like in the United States, like <laughs> I don't know what else does. One
0: hundred percent, yeah, right. Totally
1: that's that's insane (laughs) isn't it crazy (laughs) like someone who needs medical help can't get it because they didn't you know they're not in the system to begin with
0: so I ended up
1: calling an urgent care and I told them I was 10 weeks pregnant and my OB's busy and my OB told me to come here (laughs) total lie (laughs) um but it worked you know I I got seen and I, I got what I needed and um Taking antibiotics in pregnancy is a whole nother uh a whole nother story that we won't even get into, but it, it's not great. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't, but that's what I did in a moment. Yeah. Um but yeah, that, I mean that was really one of the biggest hiccups. Uh another thing that was interesting to my birth where I like pathologized myself because no one was pathologizing me. I did it to myself. Um, I mm. gained I gained over 70 pounds, probably over 80 pounds. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started maybe at like 125 and I got up, I stopped weighing myself when I passed 200. And um, Mm -hmm. I knew knew the midwife's legal law, like the laws that she had to follow, right? Like the policy that she had to follow. And she definitely made it clear Mm -hmm. that she's willing to there's wiggle room, you know, with due dates, there's wiggle room and and all that stuff. But I knew that mm-hmm. if I had gained more than a certain amount, she would need to transfer care because I read the the state Florida state midwifes policy, right? And I knew that if I gained yeah. more than a certain weight, she would need to transfer care. So at at one point, I actually just started lying about my weight too, because I wasn't worried. I guess I wasn't pathologizing myself because I wasn't worried. It, it was whatever. I never had an issue feeling nervous about gaining weight or anything like that. But yeah, I started I started lying about about my weight, and uh, you know, it's a, weight is something that strangers ask about too, which is really interesting. How much
0: weight have you gained? Yeah, that's so Not weird. Funny. So weird.
1: It's like, know, it's, realize- it's
0: just as strange as when strangers feel entitled to touch your belly too. It's yeah.
1: like, dude, yeah. why? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this okay? Yeah. You Sorry. know, but I, I noticed the, the weight gain thing. I noticed this with, with everything in my life now is that what people notice and what people comment about is what's going on in their own mind. It's what, what they pay attention to. Totally. Right. So the people totally. who are commenting One, on yeah. my weight. Yeah. Are people who are uh, notice their own weight and either um, self conscious about their own weight or or what have you. So it was actually kind of fun to to be pregnant and to to notice those things and to see see other people's fears come up through their attitude and through the conversations they had with me. But I was detached from that, mm-hmm. so no one was giving me their fears. Uh, I actually got to a point where I'm seeing like. 10 clients per day while I was pregnant as a hairstylist. And I'm, I get to the point where I'm like, tell me your scary birth stories. Like, tell me your bad birth stories. Tell me the birth story where like, it hurts so bad that you were begging for an epidural because part of me knew, like, I want to, I want to face that. And I want to see if I'm strong enough to face that, whether that's a bad outcome, mm. whether that's a transfer, whether that's the excruciating pain. I'm like i I think I'm strong enough, and when I say strong enough, it's I think I'm strong enough to surrender because it takes strength to surrender and I think I'm strong enough to surrender to all of that and to do it and to to be fine. so I know a lot of people don't like hearing those scary stories, don't like hearing about the pain and and I was quite the opposite, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Um, totally. Oh, go ahead.
1: So, getting into uh, like up into my birth, right? So, when I was Uh thirty, when I was thirty-seven weeks pregnant, um, my midwife felt that my baby was possibly like transverse, like transverse, asynclitic. Something was not uh, as it was prior. So, at thirty-seven weeks pregnant, that's when I started seeing a chiropractor. And I saw a chiropractor three times per week until my baby came. So from 37 weeks to thir- to 41, and you know, I'm sure that had something to do with how great my baby's positioning was and how f- quick and easy my labor was. Um, but yeah, that that seeing that Cairo and doing those spinning babies techniques were were phenomenal in my story. I imagine, you know, <laughs> I don't know what would have mm-hmm. happened if I hadn't. It could have been just the same, but I like to give a little bit of, of blame of my easy birth onto that Cairo. Um, so I, I passed my due date, right? All was, all was well, no fear, no anticipation, just like s- so present in the present moment. Um, I went to sleep. Uh, I had an awesome meal, went to sleep one night Had an awesome sleep. I don't think I woke up a single time to pee or turn over. Had an awesome, awesome sleep. Woke up and noticed my underwear was just a little bit wet. So um, went to the bathroom, um, noticed it was like a little, uh, my water has started leaking and it was a little light brown. So a little bit like meconium tinge stained. And that was at 7.20 in the morning. So, 7.20 in the morning, I texted my midwife, uh, you know, water's leaking, uh, there's the meconium, and, you know, she did her midwife thing, like, awesome, go back to sleep, ignore, keep me updated. So, Mm -hmm. um, that was 7.20 a.m., and everything I'm about to tell you happened between 7.20 a.m. and 8.50 a.m. So at 8 50 AM, I wow. got, into my, <laughs> I got into my birth. Pool. <laughs> that wasn't the entire birth, but I got into my birth pool at 8 50 AM. So in that mm. hour and a half, I was like, okay, great. Like today's the day. Let me shower, blow dry my hair. Just kind of like pretend nothing's happening. Right. So I shower, mm-hmm. I get out. Um, the very first contraction I, um, I timed my contractions by using a labyrinth. So I made this thing out of wood that I would trace with my finger. And I knew that tracing it to the center was a minute. Um, I didn't plan it like that, but it turned out that that would be like a minute. Um, So as soon as contractions really started picking up, again, this was in that first hour, I used my labor, my labyrinth, and my contraction lasted longer than a minute. And it was less than a minute for the next one to come. Um, so within an hour and a half, I was basically like one minute on, one minute off, and it it was like that for the for the rest of the labor. And you know, there during this time there were maybe three or four contractions where I started getting a little bit flighty. I started getting a little bit like, oh, I can't, I I can't do this for ever (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember the last contraction I had on my bed my partner did some hip squeezes I was like nope that is not it I get up and I turn to him and I just look at him like oh crap and he says what do you want to do and I say I want to get into the bathtub so the second I got Mm -hmm. into the bathtub uh I was able to release all of that to release all of that tension to find that space where I was the watcher again and to experience the the contraction the wave which were very painful for me but never once through the entire experience did I ask for help which is totally fine a lot of people ask for help but I didn't ask for help um Um, I didn't mm -hmm didn't need help. Like I was fine. You know, was like, okay, this is intense. This hurts, but I'm good. Like I'm just here witnessing it. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I got in the bath at 8 50 AM and I stayed in the bath until my baby was born at 4 30 PM. So I was in the bath for like eight mm. hours. Um, wow. most of that time was on my back in the bathtub. Mm. I'm um, just, I was comfortable. I felt in control of my body. And I was like, I'm doing so good that I don't really want to move because I'm doing good. You know, mm-hmm. now that I look mm-hmm. back, yeah, I know Marin talks sometimes about how it's, it's really good to have a midwife who makes suggestions because they just know so much, you know, a midwife you can trust to, to help you with the process. Because I look mm-hmm. back and you know, just laying in the same position for the entirety of labor is probably not making labor any easier or faster or helping baby, you know, come down. Um, and again, I didn't have any fear and I didn't have any freak out. So like, it's totally fine that I was in active labor for like nine hours. Like it was no big deal. But now that I look back, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I like sat on the toilet, if things would have been different or what have you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my midwife ended up getting to my house around noon and, um, uh, I was sounding a little bit pushy. And so she asked if she could, uh, check me just to see if baby's head was right there. And, um, she didn't even need to check my cervix because my baby's head was right there at noon and uh, baby didn't come until four thirty, So there was about four hours of pushing, um, about an hour of that. I say I would say wasn't wasn't fetal ejection reflex wasn't even really pushing was just continuing to have contractions for about an hour of that, but for the next three hours or so it was true fetal ejection reflex for three hours, so uh, that's intense. Yeah. That takes the energy out. Yeah. Energy. Um, yeah. It was like uh, everyone who's listening, I'm sure knows all about fetal ejection reflex but it's almost like you're you're vomiting like you feel like you're vomiting it's your stomach is just contracting um I wasn't feeling any uh pain in like my cervix my cervix was gone it was just I felt like I was vomiting for one minute about every other minute um and uh after about an hour or so of that fetal ejection reflex my midwife did start saying hey kylie if you want to try another position like go ahead and I remember being like no like I'm good um I didn't say anything I just remember ignoring in my head I said I'm good um I didn't really speak for the entirety of my my eight-hour labor and I know a lot of moms are are calm and talking and I was not one of them so I was calm behind the scenes, but I was just moaning fierce moans that entire time, <laughs> the entire eight hours. Um, eventually, uh, I had been, you know, fetal ejection reflex for a while. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, like, let's try another position. And um, it'll, it'll help baby find their way through my pelvis. So I stayed in my bathtub, you know, tried hands and knees, tried squatting. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually my midwife was checking heart tones every now and then It's something that I didn't, didn't, um, I, I didn't not want to do, I didn't want to, but I didn't not want to. So I was just kind of okay with whatever she, she wanted to do in that moment. Um, now that I look back, I think probably my next birth, I'd like to have like totally hands off. So probably like nothing (laughs) no one in my no one near my cervix no one checking heart tones but towards the end of my pushing phase uh, my midwife checked the heart tones and they were pretty hard to hear because baby you know was was near crowning and and they're hard it's hard to hear heart tones when baby's so low and uh so of course heart tones were a little bit strange and in that moment she she just made it very clear like you know, Kylie, it's, it's time to push your baby out. Like, just like do this, (laughs) just do this. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's funny because I had been trying for, for hours, but it's like, someone just says that to you. And for some reason, just it it clicks in your body or something. I don't know. But, um, literally the next (laughs) contraction, (laughs) next contraction, her head came out, her body came out like the same second. Um, and she was passed underneath the water through my legs. And I, and I picked up my own baby into my, into my hands in my own bathtub. Mm-hmm. So it, it was nine hours and 11 minutes total. And, um, as soon as I came down from that oxytocin high, as soon as I like made my first sentence, my first sentence after birth was, I know it probably didn't sound like it, but that it actually wasn't that hard. <laughs> And I say it probably didn't (laughs) sound like it because I mean, I was, I was moaning. I was letting whatever sound needed to come out, but, but in my mind behind all of that, I mean, I was just, I was cool. I didn't hit, I didn't hit my, Uh, I can't do this moment. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I surrendered. I surrendered even before the birth. I surrendered honestly, even before the pregnancy, which is so so foundational to, to have a birth like that is so foundational. Um, and you know, one of Marin's podcast episodes that really stood out to me was her story of her, her ninth birth, which was painless. And she talks about how she, she was going to approach this birth with like full on surrender. So she wasn't going to try and breathe a certain way. She wasn't going to try and do anything. She wasn't going to force anything, um, she didn't want to like do any coping methods. She was just gonna <laughs> surrender. And that was her her painless birth. And um, mm. I remember being at my chiropractor's office, maybe when I was 40 weeks pregnant, and he only works with pregnant moms. And he said to me, Hey, so like what are your like what's your plan for like coping? And I understand why he why he asked, because you know, a, a lot a lot of moms are are unprepared for the intensity because um, it does it takes a lot mm-hmm. of spiritual work it takes a lot of inner work and a lot of people are unprepared for that but he asked me he said mm-hmm. what are your coping methods for birth what are you going to do to cope with the pain and I, I said very matter of fact I said I don't know I've never given birth before and to me that meant I've learned all the methods I know all the methods I've read all the books I know,
0: mm. but I
1: don't, I know what I could do, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's part of that, releasing your attachment to how things are going to be. Because if you're holding on so- to that, right? If you're holding <laughs> on to that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use hypnobirthing techniques. I'm gonna use my tracks. I'm gonna breathe in four out seven. I'm gonna do all these things. That is attachment to the future. That is you projecting yourself in the future, and if you really think about it, you really don't know. You don't know what you're gonna do when you're there. Exactly. And so I told yeah. him that, and I and, remember and I mean, his,
0: pain. Uh huh. I was just gonna say, I I also think the concept of pain is so subjective to, from yes. from mother to mother. Yeah. So it, and especially for first time moms, it's like why why create this story that's not even there yet it could be completely painless for all you know it it could be the most painful experience you've ever experienced or it could be not that you know there's yeah yeah yeah
1: and to have that (laughs) mindset and to have that like i don't know what's gonna happen but i'm ready for it all like i'm gonna be okay no matter what that's when you know Mm -hmm. that you're ready So I remember my chiropractor's face just like went white and he and his assistant kind of looked at each other, just like, oh gosh, like, oh no. Cause I'm sure he's heard it all the time from women who didn't mean it, who didn't, I meant it that I, I don't know, but I'll figure it out and I'll be okay. Um, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, when they say they're just going to go with the flow, you know, they're not ready to, to surrender. They're not ready for that flow, uh, which is totally okay too, you know, like. <laughs> those birth experiences where, where women say like, I was unprepared or I was unready or like, wow, those in themselves are like so transformational and like build the foundation for the next birth. So even like the worst Mm -hmm. birth story, there's so many good lessons in the worst birth story. So Mm -hmm. there's in, in no way is like, the mindset I had like better or, or worse than anything else. It, it just, it just was. And, um, yeah, it was beautiful. You know, it, it worked out perfect for, for me. And I'm grateful every day that I went through the hardships I went through in my life to prepare me for, for birth. Um, and I was able to, to give birth without, freaking out and in a safe space surrounded by people who love me and and uh mm-hmm. you know were my tree and and were my rocks and yeah very very grateful for how that all played out. <laughs> oh,
0: beautiful. And how was the uh how was the immediate postpartum?
1: So, immediate postpartum, um I was still in my bathtub. Uh as soon as my baby was born, midwife pulled the plug to drain the water. And, you know, I think she did that because uh, as soon as my baby was born, that water was bright red, bright, bright red. Mm -hmm. And so I think she um, just wanted Mm -hmm. to drain the water just to just to have an eye on everything that was happening. Um, Mm -hmm. My baby didn't cry right away, but I was I wasn't scared at all. I was rubbing her back. I was calling her name. I was calling her into her body. And, you know, when she was born, her eyes were wide open. So from that moment, it's just like, wow, like she's here and and she doesn't need to cry. She can, she can take her time and she's safe. And, and we're here waiting for her when she's ready. So, um, the water drained and, um, there was a lot of blood, you know, I had a couple blood clots, uh, maybe about 20 minutes after she was born, I was still sitting in the bathtub and I, I readjusted my hips and I thought my placenta came out. Uh, but it was actually, like, a placenta-sized blood clot. Blood clot. Um, oh, wow. And I remember no one was actually, like, uh, monitoring me at that point. So, like, everyone in the room heard the blood clot come out, right? And uh, maybe even 10 minutes later, my midwife came over and was like, oh, that was not your placenta. <laughs> that was a blood clot. Um, zero fear from her. Zero fear, which, you know, I'm grateful for that because... In that moment, Mm -hmm. um, moms are so vulnerable to to the energy around them and to suggestions from people around them. Um, And so to have someone just so confident in birth and confident in my ability to stop the bleeding and her ability to help me stop the bleeding if I I need help was just phenomenal. So um, about, Mm. you know, nothing happened. She didn't even... um, she really didn't even feel my uterus. She just gave me time. She gave my placenta time, and about uh, about an hour after my baby was born, my my placenta came. I got into a squat and gave some gave some push pushes. Um, you know, after my baby was born, I think I had one more contraction, and I didn't have another single contraction after that. Which is which is interesting, yeah. <laughs> so that might might uh, play a role with um, the blood clots and possibly my uterus not not um coming down as quick as uh, an OBGYN would like to see, probably. <laughs> but my midwife was totally fine with how everything came out, and and me too. So, you know, a couple things that um didn't happen during my birth that you know, really could have actually played a bigger role um, than they did. I didn't pee my entire birth. So uh, huh. my, yeah, my bladder must have been yeah. so full because I was drinking between every contraction for nine hours. Um, so that probably yeah. had something to do with her not getting down um, and through my, my pelvis uh, very quick uh, and pushing for so long. Um, so yeah, I didn't pee and it, it took a couple hours to pee after she was born. Um, so now it's actually funny now that when I support births, that's because that was my experience. That's just something that I now, like, uh, I now notice. (laughs) So I, um, I'm the kind of birth attendant where, um, I, I tell moms that like, I'll suggest things, but like, tell me to shut up when you want me to shut up. Um, but if I notice something, Mm -hmm. if I notice, you know, maybe like, maybe put your leg up on a stool for a contraction, you know, I'll say those things, but I tell them, tell me to shut up when you want me to, but, but, um, Mm -hmm. you hired me for a reason, right? So, so I'll, I'll (laughs) I'll give you my wisdom if I can anyway. So I didn't Mm -hmm. pee and I also, I didn't eat the entire time. So for a nine hour labor, like, okay, that's like no big deal, but, um, but you know, if it would have been a 24 hour labor or 40 hour labor without eating the whole time, you know, that's not really a good um, situation for avoiding exhaustion. So um, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, I was blessed that it was quick and um, it was over when it was over, but um, yeah, I didn't eat and I didn't pee. Those were two things that <laughs> potentially could have caused more issue than they caused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because of, because I didn't eat and, um, you know, probably a little bit because of the blood loss, I, as soon as we got into the bed, I was just out of it. I was wiped. I was tired. Um, so, um, I think my baby and I lay there together, you know, skin to skin for probably an hour or so. But after that, uh, I handed my baby to my sister and then my partner and I just sat on my bed, like having dinner and we probably sat on the bed for like three hours and my sister just held my baby and um you know in some ways in some ways there's part of me that judges that that judges that like Mm -hmm. why didn't you you know that's the first you know hours of your baby's life like why didn't you hold your baby um so it's interesting like I have that judgment in myself but you know like it's just it's just what I needed and um yeah and it's fine it's totally fine
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean looking at the cute at the really cute picture of you guys yeah it looks like it was <laughs> all good and ends up being all fine <laughs> yeah
1: so I mean yeah. and that that day that I got that pregnancy uh, positive pregnancy test that like calm like cool like whatever that followed us everywhere so even parenting like um I don't know she's like the chillest coolest kid ever like I don't know Mm -hmm. I don't really know what's normal right but just from seeing other stories Mm -hmm. and seeing like my um parents or my siblings kids and things like that just like wow like she breastfed with no issues she's almost two and we still breastfeed um she doesn't sleep mm. through the night but she doesn't wake up crying she just like wakes up and wants boob um
0: just <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. just like a
1: very very chill baby and you know who knows how much of that is related to whatever you know so <laughs> I feel like 90 percent of it is just who the kid is and nothing we ever do could like mm-hmm. affect that mm-hmm. but then part of me is also like yeah well like everything has been chill since the moment you were conceived so of course you're chill <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I I know this might not be everyone's story, but I definitely think that when the babies are inside of you and the mom just has this really calm, collected demeanor, whatever, whatever it is that's going on in her, in in her external world, you know, that definitely, I, I believe at least that that can definitely imprint onto the baby for sure.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and have an
0: influence, and have at least uh, have at least some influence.
1: You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, i yeah. I absolutely believe it. And then there's also that part of me that's like, oh gosh, like if we have another kid, the, that that next kid's gonna be the opposite. Just to like, just to show <laughs> me, you know, just to teach me, to teach me the lessons that my daughter's not <laughs> teaching me because she's easy, you know. To test yeah. my to test, maybe, my but maybe patience. not.
0: Maybe, maybe you'll just get another <laughs> chiller, you know. <laughs> no. So Aww. funny. Who
1: knows, right? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, Kylie, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you here today and to share your story. I'm, I'm so honored um, to have heard it. And is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today?
1: First of all, thank you so much for holding space for this conversation because I haven't oh. told my birth story in probably a year. So it's that's, that's really fun for me to, to talk about again. Um, yeah. My last piece of wisdom is release your expectations. So even if you're listening to this and you're not pregnant yet, release your expectations for what pregnancy is going to be like for what birth is going to be like and for what motherhood is going to be like right so Mm -hmm. so don't think it's going to be easy but don't think it's going to be hard like don't even don't even define it before it happens just be present with every moment and and you can define it as you're going through it but don't define it before it happens release your expectation um I tell this to the moms I work with now and you know, a lot of them, it's like the foundation for everything I teach them is release expectations. And a lot of them after their birth, they come to me and they say, you know what? I know you say it all the time, but I didn't do it. Like I didn't embody that. And I, I wish I did. So, I mean, your birth can be one hour. Your birth could be three weeks long and be okay with either of those scenarios. Um, release your expectations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can't can't agree. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) agree more with that. That is, yes, release all expectations for sure. Well, thank you so much. uh, Yes, I appreciate this conversation. Thank you, Kylie. You're so welcome. Mm -hmm. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.